Hey everyone, welcome back to Daydream Walls. I'm really happy to kind of welcome you into the weekend with another interview episode. This time, I spoke to the wonderful Jade of Milk and Honey Herbs. And as you know, I just really love talking to other plant people to see what they get up to, how they run their clinics, how they make their magic, how they relate to plants. And so, I hope you will enjoy this conversation too. Not so many updates from me today. I'm packing up my tiny house in Brighton、um, because I'm going traveling for the summer in Germany and Scotland, and then back in Brighton. And I'm pretty excited and also a bit anxious, as you would be. <laughs> There's a lot of uncertainty about what the next few months will bring, but I think it will be beautiful adventures, and I will keep podcasting and oversharing on Instagram. Other than that, there's a self and community care circle coming up next Sunday on the 2nd of June.、Um, you can join that if you like. It's part of the Magic of Embodiment program, which is an ongoing membership that looks at tarot and ritual and folk herbalism and meditation through the lens of embodiment. And you can also still join the season of Radical Love, which is a 33 day journey of daily journaling prompts that you can meditate with. And it's all about exploring our relationship with ourselves, our communities, and others. And to think about what radical love means for us in these areas of our lives. So, yeah, the people are sharing on Mighty Networks what's coming up for them, and it's really beautiful to witness that. I'm writing my own thoughts each day as well. So, you get to follow along if you like, and you can join both these programs and the Self and Community Care Circle by pledging $3 or more in the Patreon,、um, which is linked to in the show notes. Okay, so now today,、um, on to today's interview. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, everyone. I'm super happy to have another really cool person to interview today.、Um, I'm speaking to Jade, who approached me and who works with plants in really, in really beautiful ways. And we've just been chatting a little bit about the Scorpio full moon, which is coming up tomorrow,、um, about ticks and, <laughs> and、uh, pilgrimages to Italy and all these kinds of beautiful things. So I'm super excited to talk about plants and、um, their magic. And so, Yeah, Jade, thank you so much for being here and for getting in touch and for talking、yeah. to me today. Can you tell us who you are and where you are in the world and what nature is like around you? Sure, yeah, thanks for having me, Yaro. Super excited.、Um, so, I live in Western Massachusetts in the Northeast of the US, and、um, I'm on ancestral unceded Nipmuc land. And it is spring here right now, and it's full on just like. Beautiful, gorgeous spring.、Um, it's been rainy here for like a month. It's been a really cool, damp spring, which means all the flowers are lasting a really long time. Sometimes we have a spring where it's like the apples bloom and then it's super hot for two days and all the flowers drop. But like、mm. every, everything, you know, has just been like the daffodils have been lasting for like a month. It's, so it's really, really beautiful. Everything's in flower, everything's so vibrant. Dandelions and nettles, it's just,、um, it's really, really beautiful.、Mm. That, but it is.、Um, so, loving that. It's kind of a rainy day today. And I am a community and clinical herbalist.、Um, my business is Milk and Honey Herbs. I've been, let's see, studying herbalism like 
I guess, formally since like 2006. And so I just, um, I do so much in the community. Let me think, how can I like summarize it? That's a hard question. But I guess I would say in summary with my work, I, I teach lots of classes, I see clients, um, and I just, I do a lot of education. And I'm really, I guess my two favorite, most inspirational topics, I would say are food as medicine and bioregional herbalism, which is working with the plants, you know, sort of very abundant in your bioregion, and also just working with the seasons. So those are kind of my favorite topics to think about, write about, teach about, and are really the framework of, of, my, of my work as an herbalist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I'm really passionate about these things too. As a funny side note, I've had such a difficult relationship with food for such a long time. And, and by the way, I will ask you questions again. <laughs> I'm not going to make this all about me, but, okay. but I, will just no say, yeah. I will just say like as a teenager in my early 20s, I had such a difficult relationship with food and food as medicine, like coming from a herbal perspective has been such a beautiful gateway for me because I never found a way to engage with um, nutrition or the health coaching world that's really shiny and you know mm -hmm. all about being skinny and I just found that so difficult to engage with and yet at the same time I really wanted to learn how my how to nourish and feed myself well so I'm so grateful for herbalists like you who do this work and give this other way and that's kind of less focused on what the body looks like and more about what can heal, how we can relate to our bioregion in beautiful ways, um, and how can it be, you know, like really multidimensional healing rather than just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I love that food as medicine is so woven into herbalism, you know, so, and, and I also feel like it's also where, you know, herbalism came from is, is the kitchen and the hearth and, you know, and I, yeah. I feel like, you know, if we can expand the definition to like all those grandmas that are, you know, putting all that medicine into their, into their cooking when they're adding in the rosemary or the little secret ingredients that that's all like, that really is all herbalism to me. And mm -hmm. a, a huge area where healing can come, I feel like is, is through our food and yeah. And focusing more on the nourishment as opposed to it, you know, health being some like monotype, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 I always like asking people what their days look like because I feel like I am so super lucky to get to talk to people that have created really quirky, weird and wonderful <laughs> and beautiful lives for themselves. Yeah. So I'm like, what what does your life look like at the moment? <laughs> totally. I'm laughing because oh my gosh. Yeah. Every one of my days is different. Um I'm one of those people that if I, you know, times in my life when I've had like the desk job, it's like agonizing you know I'm like mm -hmm. looking at the clock and I'm like how could five minutes how could only five minutes have just gone by right now <laughs> you know so I feel very lucky so privileged to be able to do what I do and yeah it's really diverse so um my days my work days they could look like writing um they could look like hanging out in my favorite coffee shop and like writing a blog post um it could look like um, doing consults with clients, sometimes over Zoom, sometimes in person, and then doing research and writing up their recommendations. Sometimes it's harvesting or, you know, just being in the woods and just observing the plants. Lots of times I'm walking the land for the classes that I teach. Um, 
to see what plants we'll be able to work with for that weekend's class. So, you know, a lot of times, like, that's my favorite is when I just get to walk through the hedgerows, you know, mm -hmm. as work, just, to, mm -hmm. uh, just observing. Um, so it'll, that'll be a lot of my work. Um, and, you know, and a lot of writing. I feel like when you're an educator, there's always so much writing time um, and research time. And then, of course, like anyone who runs their own business, that's like all the fun part. Then there's probably like 50 to 75% of my life is like admin, mm -hmm. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> um, like I know a lot of like small business owners can relate. Um, so there is a fair bit of computer work too, but it's um, really interspersed with walks with my dog, being out in nature, um, because it's inherent to the profession is you have to spend time with the plants, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and there's medicine making, of course, too, on some days also. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah, gosh, we are really, really lucky. That's true. Yeah. Um, I would also love to know how you became a plant person in the first place. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a fun that's a fun question to answer. <laughs> um, let's see. I'll take the least circuitous uh, answer to that. Let me think. So, well, <laughs> um, I had always been interested in, in nature. I'd always just loved the, um, the outdoors and the natural world. So uh, in college, I ended up my, doing my undergrad in wildlife conservation because it was like the closest sort of to like just being able to study the outdoors. But then in my upper level courses, I, I really learned that it was really more like wildlife management. Um, and what I was really looking for was more of like a conservation biology degree, which really isn't what it ended up being. So I had had to take a bunch of electives um, for, for that major. And all my electives I had ended up just taking in the biology department doing plant classes. So I was taking like plant biology, plant ecology, plant morphology, you know, trees and shrubs of New England, like just all of that and realized, well, I love this and I'm really not that into this major. So I actually ended up um, getting a double major in biology, which was more really just plant ecology. It wasn't like um, more like cellular biology or anything like that. It was really more plant biology and um, added that on. And then that allowed me to get a job out of college with the U.S. Forest Service. And I spent two field seasons um, identifying plants for, that was my job. And it was on this great big vast study in the inland Northwest. So an absolutely gorgeous region of our country. Um, so Eastern Washington, Eastern Oregon, Idaho, Western Montana. So I was like basically in the Rockies and the high desert most of the time. And the way that job was structured was eight days on and then six days off. So mm -hmm. six days off, we would just, you know, go backpacking and just be in nature even more. So I had a ton of leisure time too with the plants. And that was when it really unfolded for me because um, I had to identify things botanically, but then some of my guides, some of my books um, had these little like ethnobotanical excerpts in them. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a, I had taken like maybe one ethnobotany class in college, but it was not a good one. It was a very dry class. And that when I started reading about it with the plants that I was actually working with, and I had to collect plants for this study too, I'd have to take random samples. And the funny thing was that, you know, we'd have to dig up the plant completely and then press it. And, you know, then it would go kind of to the study headquarters and it was a control so they could see, oh, well, she's identifying these plants correctly. And I loved like the 
collecting part. I loved the harvesting part, <laughs> but I wasn't really like behind it, like for the random scientific study. I mean, it was a cool study, but I was like, man, I wish it wasn't just getting pressed between two slabs and like sitting somewhere forever getting dusty. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so that kind of combined with reading about these ethnobotanical uses, which really sparked for me, wait a minute, you mean these plants have like medicinal properties, like that wasn't in my consciousness. I didn't grow up with that at all. I didn't, I didn't have herbalism in my life. Um, it really just sparked me on, you know, I think I picked up like Michael Tierra's The Way of Herbs, like I remember like in this random used bookstore in like the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, like on one of our random backpacking trips. And then it really snowballed. And um, after doing and so I did a lot of self-study for those two years. And then after those two years doing the field season, I really realized that if I wanted to study herbalism really in earnest, I needed to settle down again. So mm-hmm. kind of ripped myself out of that seasonal life, which wasn't easy because I was traveling in the winters and it was like a great, beautiful, liminal time in my life with so mm-hmm. much freedom, you know? Um, But I ended up coming back here to Western Mass because it's a total hub here. There's so many herbalists, there's tons of herb schools, and I just threw myself into it. I um, signed up for my first herbal apprenticeship, which met once a week, which is kind of hard to find, but it's really wonderful. Um, You know, most are like once a month. So it was a full day a week. And, um, and then at the same time, I applied for a job at a local apothecary um, that I happened to get. So I started working at the apothecary. And then I also did a full internship that same, um, starting that same time with a woman who runs a nursery and learned all about the growing part. Mm-hmm. And she, she had a strong focus on medicinal herbs. She always sells her plants at like the local um, herbal conferences and stuff. So it really took off from there. And then, you know, as it, as it goes with most herbalists with their like origin stories, they're just kind of like, and then I just got totally obsessed and <laughs> um, <laughs> went to every herb school possible. And um, I really couldn't imagine doing anything else. So that's, you know, why I eventually started my business. Yeah, what a beautiful story. And I can imagine that that transition would have been hard. I've been Mm-hmm. I've been having commitment issues with places for a really long time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was hard. Um, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so beautiful to get to know so many different plants in different bioregions and to have that yeah. really experimental experience of them. Mm, yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah and it's so it's so different out there too. I mean, it's like the northeast compared to the west. It's you know, it's desert versus the northeast is you know, not all desert out West, obviously, but mm-hmm. a lot of it is it's just so, so dry in the summer. And out here it's lush. It's sort of like a temperate rainforest out here. It's, it's very, very lush. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, my first sagebrush plant that I saw and everyone being like, what is wrong with you? And me being <laughs> like, I'm from Massachusetts. <laughs> like, and they were like, you're the plant person on this study? I'm like, <laughs> but it's so prevalent yeah that's funny yeah Yeah. (laughs) I mean yeah Europe has so many different climates and Mm -hmm. bioregions as well it's super interesting to travel here and to see how things change just if you drive down a few kilometers so yeah cool yeah Yeah. I would love to know a little bit more because I, I feel like this is always like a question that kind of grounds things a little bit when I ask 
what plants you're currently working with or what kind of practices you really love because I want to illustrate even more for folks who maybe haven't had the chance to plant, work with plants yet, what that could look like and mm -hmm. where the magic of that is and how it's nurturing you and what you think you can give back and all these different magical things. Yeah, so kind of what plants I'm working with right now. I definitely um, asked too many questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Um, I think, yes, my first question is like, how, do you have particular plants that you like working with at the moment? Mm -hmm. And then my second question is, like, do you have, do you want to share any practices and how mm -hmm. you work with them? And then the third question would be, I'm really thinking a lot about giving back at the moment because I'm leaving um, this woodland here that I've been living in in the last two years. And I just really want to find more ways of giving thanks before I leave. So yeah, yeah just always hearing what people do to do yeah. that would be interesting too. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So right now I would say it's probably all about the nettles um, okay. mm -hmm. and, you know, and getting back to the whole food as medicine piece. Um, one of the ways that I personally work with herbs the most is in my food and in my cooking. Um, I'm not amazing at taking like that same herbal tincture at the same time every day. Mm -hmm. If my clients listening, it's like, I know it's hard. I understand. <laughs> um, but yeah. And I, but I, you know, I have to cook every day. I have two young kids, so I'm in the kitchen. They have to make dinner every night. So I'm, you know, it's just woven into my, into my days and into my life. So that's where nettles is coming in right now, big time. Um, I finally started my own patch um, in our woods, well not in our woods, like right on the edge because I didn't want it to go totally crazy um, in the garden. So I kind of put it on the edge where it could kind of do its thing. And let's see, I've been making nettle soup a bunch. I've been making nettles pesto and freezing it. I love doing that. Um, I love freezing it in like little packets or even just like little freezer bags in like sort of portion sized um, amounts so that then I can just take that in the winter and just put that whole thing like into a soup or a stew or into pasta or whatever, um, just to get that like nettles dose in the middle of the winter. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I love doing that. I have been, oh gosh, what else have I been doing with them? Just, yeah, feeding them in as many other ways as possible. I've been making um, vinegars with them. I love making a nettles vinegar. That's so super easy. All you do literally is just put them in a jar and pour apple cider vinegar over them. Like that's it. And yeah. Let, <laughs> it's so great. Let them sit for a couple of weeks. And I love salads with nettles vinegar as a part of the dressing. So that has been one of my, you know, go-to plants right now. And I was working with it leading up to the spring also because I can get seasonal allergies, but if, if I drink nettles infusion, I, I don't like leading up to the spring. So before they came out, um, my body was still craving them, but they weren't out yet. So I was making nourishing infusions with them and um, not even every day. So, you know, just a couple times a week, even sometimes. And, and then as soon as they were available, I've just been eating them like crazy. So that's, you know, the plant I'd say I've probably been working with the most right now. And those are some of the ways I love incorporating it into my day. Um, and then in terms of like the giving back part, I think what comes to mind for me is um, because I do so much education about medicinal plants and wildcrafting is woven into that inherently, um, you know, I'm leading herb, herb walks or tree walks or in my classes, they're like 
totally hands-on and just like focused on meeting the plants like um, outside in their habitat. Like my classes meet like all outdoors, um, you know, and we are working with super locally abundant plants like all the time. Like that's sort of one of my tenets of bioregional herbalism is like we're not working with like rare woodland medicinals, even if they're endemic to our region. Um, dandelion is a bioregional herb, you know, nettles are, even though they're not necessarily originally from here. Um, and so I feel like with the giving back part, for me, a big part is educating folks about ethical wild crafting and mm -hmm. what plants you can't harvest. So like, for instance, this morning I hiked through a patch of wild leeks ramps, um, which are pretty rare here in Massachusetts. And people will argue about that and say that they're not. But the truth is, is that where they, where they occur, it looks like there's lots, but their habitat itself is pretty threatened because it tends to be more old growth forest, which here in Massachusetts, that's like 1% of the landscape. But it'll be like literally these teeny little patches that just like didn't get logged. And, um, you know, and so I feel like giving back, first of all, is not harvesting a plant, even though, um, you know, it's delicious and all the things, right? Mm -hmm. But I can, I can work with the chives you know, in my yard, I can work with garlic, but also just educating through my social media, through my classes, um, you know, what it, that we don't want to go into nature with this like taker mindset, which definitely can infuse into wild food circles and even herbalism, which to me is like a real colonized way of, of working with the plants. So I like to take a step back and be like, whoa, we have to take this entitlement piece out. We need to really make sure that we're only working with plants that we can sustainably harvest and even then let's always you know really come at this from a place of reciprocity and gratitude um so anyone who follows me will know that there's always you know here and there just posts about that i feel like i'm about due for one soon actually because i do <laughs> post a lot you know about yeah. harvesting and it's like you always have to dial it back and mm. remember that so i think that's one of the big ways i feel like um I, I try to give back as much as I can with my work. So I'm not like contributing to the problem, you know, mm -hmm. like I think yeah. about that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. No, that makes total sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to hear a little bit more about your clinic and community work as well. So you have touched on a lot of different yeah. aspects of it as well, but I wonder what it's like to run a clinic and how is that? Yeah. yeah how, 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 what's that like? <laughs> totally. It's really great. Um, so I love having like a little foot or toe in the clinical work. I feel like it helps keep me a good teacher, um, a compassionate person, you know, because mm -hmm. there's always going to be things that come up that I haven't worked with before, or I get to work with something in a different way. Um, everyone's different, as we know, too. So in herbalism, we're always working constitutionally. So a remedy that might have worked for one person might not work for another person. And then that's a learning process. So the clinic has been around since 2012, and it's at a local apothecary here in Greenfield, Mass, called um, uh, Blue Dragon Apothecary. And I'm just really lucky because the herb shop that I was working at back in the day that I was sharing about in the beginning, um, a woman who apprenticed there who is, she's like a, a renowned Tibetan medicine practitioner, and she was apprenticing with the herbalist there for, to learn about the Western herbs. And she just basically forced me into it. Her name's Mary Ryan. She's wonderful. She's one of my mentors. And she was just like, Jade, I'm opening this apothecary. I want <laughs> you to do this low cost clinic. And at that time, I, I didn't have, I was just barely seeing clients. 
I was leading a few herb walks here and there. And she really gave that nudge, you know, that like a true mentor does when they're like, do it, you are ready. And so if that's kind of how it arose, it obviously it fit into my values. I was like, yes, of course, I want to offer this low cost herbal clinic. And so I've been doing it since then, most Fridays, and it's shifted and changed so many times, but the inherent sort of, you know, stability to it is just that it's low cost, it's on Fridays, and we, we used to take walk-ins, we don't do that anymore, that's one of the ways that it's shifted, just because it's more sustainable to have people book appointments, um, but it's, it's wonderful, it's, mm-hmm. it's really great to be able to offer that to the community, and, um, and then there's such a rich herbal community here that there's also a free clinic, actually, it's called the, I'll give them a little shout out, it's the People's Medicine Project, mm-hmm. they're also in Greenfield, Massachusetts, and they, they um, offer not just herbs, but acupuncture and massage, and their, um, their services are totally free, so it's really amazing because if someone can't access the work I'm doing, even though it's low cost, if it's still more than what they can, um, that, that they can afford, then I can I can send them there, you know, Mm -hmm. so there's this great, beautiful interconnected web. And yeah, I think um, the clinical work just keeps my, it it keeps me on my toes, you know, Mm -hmm. it, 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 it it helps me not, I think, become complacent um, Mm -hmm. because there's, there's so much to learn about in herbalism. Anyone who starts studying it realizes, oh my gosh, there's, this is an endless body of knowledge. So I, I really appreciate that, that part of it. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. And I love that you're part of such a beautiful community. I think that's so important and inspiring. I find it really yeah. healing to trade with people directly, really one-on-one, mm-hmm. in order, you know, as, a, <clears throat> as an alternative to constantly be in exchange with these huge corporations and um, trade in this really soulless ways. I think to look another human in the eye and say, how can I support you? How can this honor both our boundaries and energy? Um, what can we do? You know, that's so beautiful. Yeah, totally. It's it's such a privilege to hold people's stories. I mean, that's really, gosh, I feel like seventy five percent of like the work when you're working with people one on one is that they just they need they need to tell their story, and mm-hmm. they don't always get the chance to do that in a more conventional medical setting. And even just that that process that unfolding is mm-hmm. like stage one and yeah it is really mm-hmm. beautiful to just be mm-hmm. there with that person I totally yes. agree <laughs> yes uh, yes um I would love to know what you advice uh, what would you advise someone who's like getting into herbalism and wants some kind of starting point I know there are so many possible starting points but maybe right. there's one that's particularly close to your heart where you're like this is the plan I think that's great as a gateway or yeah, this is yeah. like a practice that would be really cool right you know um getting to know the plants that grow around you. I feel mm-hmm. like the square one, I mean, that's totally where I'm oriented. That's how I, I do my classes. But I feel like because that's when you start to sink in a little bit, um, that's when like the world goes from just being, oh, it's all green to like, oh, there's my friend white pine and there's sugar maple, you know? And so, because then you can start to work with those plants. Um, and even if it's just, you know, one plant at a time, that's definitely my advice for sure is, you know, work with one plant at a time uh, when you're first getting started, make, you know, just medicine with just that plant, eat just that plant so that you can really get to know it on that individual basis. And um, 
a wise herbalist once said, and I don't know who it was, it's like an herbal adage at this point. So if anyone knows, let me know. But, you know, like that if you know 10 plants super, super well, mm-hmm. you can work with just as many things as if you know, like a hundred plants, you know? Mm-hmm. So really, I think it's easy at first to get really overwhelmed with how many herbs there are, what they all do. But if you were to just pick a small handful of plants that you know you can identify, like plantain and dandelion and nettles, you know, or things that you can easily grow in your garden, even if it's a small little community garden, like thyme or rosemary, um, really just getting to know them one by one. That's, I think, one of my biggest advice for when you're first getting started. And then um, as you get further down, the sort of herbal trail, I would say studying with lots of different teachers, I think is really important too, because herbalism is so diverse and everyone's going to have something different to offer in terms of an approach or a um, just ideas around, you know, dealing with different things. And I, I just really feel like that's a really, like for me, I feel like that really shaped me is having this diversity of, I guess, ways you approach it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, cool. Um, and then before we go, I would love to know if if there's anything in particular that you really love as a practice for stressful times. And that's such a broad. I know that's a super broad question. <laughs> we de- we're dealing with so many different kinds of stress, um, yeah. but but also, ah, I don't know. There is beauty in the simplicity of like, yeah, just. Just yeah. touching chamomile, for example, it's like, oh, mm, totally. so good. So soothing, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do think that probably my first and foremost is just being with the plants. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes harvesting, sometimes not, uh, whether it's a walk in nature or a quick step out into like my backyard, um, I think, but especially just having your hands on the plants, like, even if you're not harvesting um or so if you're in the garden or whatever i feel like that's kind of my first and the way that i cope with that in the winter is through cooking (laughs) so Mm -hmm. i you know i dry like little bundles of sage and thyme and rosemary and then when i'm making my broths or my soups i get to like i don't garble them you know i just leave them in the bundles so then i get to like run my hand over the bundle of rosemary and Mm -hmm. separate off the leaves you know so for me I guess it's I guess what I'm saying it's very like somatic it's very like tactile Mm -hmm. um that for me is is really helpful um and then some of my favorite herbs are a lot of the nervines like I I love kava I'm a kava person (laughs) so um you know if I am just feeling like really spun out I'll take some kava sometimes or some rose um And then I guess it's not herbal necessarily, but sleep. That's like my, probably my number one thing (laughs) is if I'm feeling overwhelmed uh, or if there's stress, I just will try to just like drop everything and go to bed at like 8.30. You know, like I'll get my kids in bed and just be like, I don't care if the house is a mess. (laughs) Like I'm going to get in bed. Yeah. And and then I will still work with herbal allies. Um, I take sleep herbs almost every night. I just, I love them. They really help me get a good deep sleep. So I think some of my favorites for that are California poppy um, and passion flower and valerian. Those are, are three of my favorite sleep herbs that I work with a lot. Yeah. So those, yeah. Because I get like the mental fullness. That's like mm-hmm. the passion flower, you know, where your mind is just like racing and mm-hmm. just kind of helps me drop down. So those are 
a few of my things. <laughs> Me too. I really, really love passion flowers so much. I just like yeah. opening the paper bag in my <laughs> little drawer. I'm like, oh, okay, it's going to be okay. Ooh. Yeah, 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 it's such a good one. It yeah. doesn't grow up here, which is really hard for me. You can grow it like in a mm. pot as an annual, but if you go like an hour south, you know, like I've mm -hmm. seen like there's a beautiful perennial spot of it at Pharmacy Herbs in Rhode Island where it's in Providence and it's like it's like an hour and a half from here and you've got this beautiful perennial mm -hmm. passion flower. It's so sad because it's so beautiful, but yeah. yeah. That is really <laughs> bad. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Yeah. I really felt this was, yeah, I just really could feel your love for plants and community work and getting people excited about it. And, and I, so I hope we got more people excited about it. <laughs> <We're listening laughs> this. Yeah. And I would love to know what you're currently offering and where people can find you. So please share away. Let us know where you um, are found. And I will also link um, to all of that in the show notes. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So my business is Milk and Honey Herbs. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. That's my handle, Milk and Honey Herbs, all spelled out. And I share on there a lot. So if you're on either of those platforms, come find me and you'll see all the fun stuff I share. Lots of beautiful pictures. I love plant photography too. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then my website is Milk and Honey Herbs. You can always find upcoming classes there. Um, for anyone local, I teach classes that are rooted in bioregional herbalism, which I touched on a few times. I have an apprenticeship and then I also do the seasonal class series. And then for folks um, afar, I teach a winter series called Spice Rack Medicine that's all online. And that's a really fun one. It's all kitchen medicine. It's such a great class. They do like mushrooms and all the culinary herbs and seaweed medicine. And it's just really great and then i'm very excited because i just launched a patreon so that could be for local folks or folks who aren't and mm -hmm. that is really fun because every month you get a, a class like a recorded it's like an online class basically but it's recorded so you can listen to it like a podcast or whatever and um that's at just like the introductory level um and so I'm excited about that. And then kind of moving up, there's also plant study groups and materia medicas. And then there's like sort of discounts on consultations. Cause a cool thing about Patreon is that because it's like monthly, it's sort of a way to like pay for your consults on like a payment plan, which is yeah. really so cool. Such a neat thing about it. Um, so Patreon is my newest offering and Oh, and I almost forgot to mention that if folks are listening in real time, um, as a little added bonus, like during this sort of like launch month, if, um, if folks sign up for my Patreon before June 15th, you'll get a free little ebook that I'm writing called For the Love of Metals. So I told you I was all about the metals. Oh, yes! <laughs> so I'm writing a whole book on them. Um, and it's just gonna be full of, you know, what you would imagine all things metals recipes and just mm -hmm. all of it so cool. that's a little added thank you if you join by june 15th okay. so yeah cool thank you so much also really want to say i'm just listening at no listening okay i'm confused <laughs> with my senses now <laughs> i'm just looking at your instagram and oh my god everyone absolutely has to follow you just for the picture of the nettle cake oh my it's god like, the nettle cake yes. oh my god the nettle cake there's different layers 
And I mean, I just, I don't even know what to say exactly, but something has <laughs> happened to my eyes and it's really exciting. And I want to share this excitement with everyone, basically. <laughs> Thank you so much for what you're doing in the world. This nettle cake just kind of rounded this whole thing off. <laughs> it's a really beautiful way so thank you. yes and there will be a nettle cake recipe in the oh. and I will say I have to give a shout out to my friend Anne she made the cake everyone mm -hmm. has to know okay <laughs> she made the cake but we you know it was a big collaborative effort and it was a, a wild feast we were having but yeah that did happen in my life which is oh. really exciting wow <laughs> amazing <laughs> the cake exploded it was yeah I mean, oh. that was cake yeah it doesn't get much better than that no definitely not thank you so much thank you thank you, Talk to you. bye bye, bye.